Welcome to Kevin Connors Podcast. The final two sessions in this series will be taught by Richard Holland, the founding pastor of Waverley Christian Fellowship. Be sure to also visit kevinconnor.org forward slash shop where you can now purchase PDFs of many of Kevin's best-selling books, including his verse-by-verse commentary on the book of Revelation. Well, the subject I'm taking tonight is the feasts. Now, you've probably had Passover, everybody said. You've had Pentecost. Well, you haven't had much at all, have you? You haven't really said yes. Now, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. I'm a talker on a blackboard, so if you've got pencil and paper, you can copy. But what we are doing always when we come to the Feast of Israel is to realize that the feast started away back then, and the, the effect of the feast is going to finish up with the coming of the Lord. So what we look at firstly is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You all know that, I'm sure. You've got that? Can you see it all right down there? Now this is what we call the Feast of Israel. The first one was Passover, which we're not going to spend much time on tonight. The second one is Pentecost. And the third one is Tabernacles. In the feast, it's very interesting to understand that when we come to certain things, we think that we're... Can you see it over there okay? This? Everybody see the board? When we look at this, the the Passover, there are certain distinctives in each of these feasts. And what we look at, the distinctive that we are in, is not a Passover, it is not Pentecost, but it's Tabernacles. Your your distinctive of Passover is repentance, faith towards God, and water baptism. You all know that. How many Passoverites have we got here tonight? I'm a Passoverite. So you can be a Passoverite too. Have you been repented, have faith towards God, and you're baptized in water? Now, how many of those? You've got to get excited about this because if you're not, you've got a lot of things to do because you've got to face up to God. In this last weekend, in the, few, uh, in the early parts of this year, we've seen that nearly 200 people first time salvation. They came really repentance and faith towards God. That was the first part. Their second function will be to be baptized in water. So because we are Christians and we've been in the way a long time, and God wants you to get out of the way, uh, we now come to Pentecost. Now Pentecost is spirit baptism. Now, of course, in the early church, uh, on the first day, there were 120 in the upper room, and the sound of a rushing mighty wind, tongues of fire, sat upon each of them, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. From that time onwards, all the epistles of uh, Paul were written to Spirit-filled. They're all Pentecostal. So if you're not Pentecostal, you're not going to enjoy the 13 to 14 epistles that Paul wrote. So what we've got here, the distinctive here, then is water baptism. Now when we come to Pentecost, the distinctive is spirit baptism. Now how many spirit-filled people have we here tonight? That that was better. We've got a little song and dance there, except the, the dance. Now the distinctive of our church, and you I would hope, my distinctive is tabernacles. Now tabernacles is different. It, it is to perfection. If I was going to speak on it, I would speak on perfection. I've done that a few times in latter months 
the thing is very important that we understand what this is. What I want to do tonight is really spend a little time on this third feast. This Passover was in the first month, the Pentecost was in the third, and Tabernacles in the seventh month. Seventh is divine completeness, and we must be in a place where we recognize that God has a perfection and a completeness to everything he does. Way down here is the coming of the Lord. Oh, coming of Jesus the second time. This is where he comes at the end of this time. Now, because we've seen the fullness and the fulfillment of, of uh, Passover and Pentecost, where first Passover, of course, uh, when we look at this, is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the fulfillment of Passover. Pentecost, we've got uh, the, the outpouring on the day of Pentecost, and we've seen the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The early church started on the day of Pentecost, and the church you're in today is because Pentecost was way back there. Now we come to the next part, and we're coming into this area. Now this is done in, I'll just rub this out so we get a clearer picture. This is the highly technical stuff, we'll rub that out give you a little more room on this. What we're doing now is the same thing, but we're coming into this area. We've come to the days, the 1st, the 10th, the 15th, and the 21st. In the seventh month, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, these days were very, very important. You had to understand what they stood for, and in each of these we're starting to realize that God has got a picture and a pattern for every one of us to come to this so that we can understand that the picture and the pattern of God is fulfilled in the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this is still the tab, not the TAB. Seven, you don't get involved in that. You're not going to make any money of it, and if you do, we want 10%. No, no that's not good, is it? You spoil the Egyptians. I heard one fellow say, well, I can go into it because the, the, the Israelites spoil the Egyptians. So let us go in and get a lot of money. The moment they get a lot of money, they forget. And they've got all these other things they need to do. I always remember once I had an experience like this. I went down the street and I saw a man wrapping up a great big battery and putting it on his shoulder. I said, where are you going with that? He said, I'm going home. I said, where is it? Oh, way up there, about two miles away. I said, put it in my car and I'll drive you. So I drove him, and then I took him over and bought another battery, brought him back. Didn't know who he was, but a week later, this man came with a woman that my wife knew, and it was her second husband. She had married again. And so they came and gave me a, a ticket in, a, in tats. <laughs> me, I've never been in. I don't know how to work it yet. I'm thinking I might, when I'm old enough, I'll get one. Uh, not really. But they gave this to me, and it was for 25,000 pounds. That was a long time ago. Now I thought, now this is wonderful. I'll give 90% to God. Pretty good? I was going to keep 10%. Tuesday, I thought, well, I'll give 50%. <laughs> By the time I got down to the end of the week, it was only 10%. And then I, I, I didn't win anything anyway. So you see, it's not worth going into it. I would just like to have the rapture. Wouldn't you? Do you want the rapture now before the seven years trib? Or in the middle of the seven years trib? 
or at the end of the seven years dream. How many want that? Hey? You would like it now. You're a mean, nasty person. You want to get out before you're perfected. Now, of course, you've had all this. We, we believe, at least I believe, Kevin John believes. I always use him for an example when, when I'm pretty doubtful about my own. But that we've got a three and a half year tribulation. You understand that? He's given you the eight different things, hasn't he? I looked at all he's been teaching you and, and I started to realize he's done everything. Uh, midnight hour, you've had that? You understand it? Rebuilding of Babylon. Uh, isn't that terrific, some of the stuff he's got? He wouldn't give it to me. Jerusalem. He always wants it back again. And I lose it immediately. Uh, two witnesses. Who were they? Do you really believe they're Moses and Elijah? I do. They've got they're married. You can tell them. I do. Uh, yes, and a couple say yes, they do. Yes, well, Moses and Elijah, they're quite satisfactory to me. Great tribulation, three and a half years. He's done that well. The A Mill, the Schofield view, and the Our view, and our view's the best, isn't it? <laughs> I went to Malaysia and in a Bible college, and I had to speak uh, ten times in two days or something, and, and they said, now, we want you to come and to speak on end times, but we want you to give other people's point of view. I said, no trouble at all. But see, I, I gave them the other points of view, and I said, well, this is where the, the flaws are in that. This one doesn't have one. There's only one right, and that's my way. I think. Now, you've, you've got all this down, haven't you? The first, the tenth, the fifteenth, the twenty-one. You understand what they are for? The first one is the blowing of trumpets. Put that down very carefully because it's, it's a very important area. The blowing of trumpets on the first day. Now the trumpet blows and it's to get the church or the people of God or the people in that time ready for a great convocation on the tenth day, which was the day of atonement. I remember many, many years ago having everything like the tabernacle and all those things preached to us. I think, uh, uh, Fran, you were there uh, way back and we probably had that 40 times. I've got books and books and books written and of notes that people gave on the Feast of Tabernacles. I never ever said, well, I've had that before. I was always waiting for some other little bit that the first one never told me. And every time you had it, you find extra little bits. So I trust that I'll give you an extra little bit tonight somewhere. I don't really know. The 15th day. Now this is the great ingathering. The 15th day, the great ingathering. So we've got here the first day, the blowing of trumpets. Second, the tenth day, the Day of Atonement, and the great ingathering. Now, in this first picture here, we've got a line. Now, this is the blowing of trumpets. I'm a trumpet blower, by the way. I blow a trumpet. And this trumpet I blow with a great voice. I say, get ready for the great coming day of the Lord, or the perfection of the church. What I've got in here is the perfection of the church. And here, this is the area that we've got to grow in. We've got to come to grow to this time. Because as we look at the Word, God is going to send His Son and He's going to have a bride for her. You might remember the story of Adam and Eve or Adam and the woman. She was called a woman until she sinned. So every now and again I call my wife woman. Uh, I don't think it goes down too well, uh, but you can call a woman, she was called a woman until she sinned. And then she was called Eve. 
So we've got here this area. Now, what we, when you can look at this, you could look at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. We've got to measure up to the fullness of the man Christ Jesus. The church is going to be a people who are developed, matured, go on unto perfection. So in this thing here we say we've got to die to self. And we put on Christ. Now as you do this, we start to, as we die to self, Everything of self, you might look at everything in the world today and everywhere you go you'll find that, that everything is self, self, self. Do the things, study to, on a self-ability. So we've got to grow into a place where we're going to die to self and we're going to put on Christ. Everything of our own way, our own life, our own way, anything that we, is our self, we've got to die to. Many, many things are in the Word, of course, of what I've got to die to, but we're going to measure up in this particular area until we come to the fullness of the stature of the man Christ Jesus. God, in His wisdom, when Jesus went back to heaven, He gave ministries. He gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He gave this five-fold ministry, and He said, for the perfecting of the saints, this is Ephesians 4, 13 to 18, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, until we all come in the unity of the faith and we grow up into the fullness of the stature of the man Christ Jesus. So if we've got the man Christ Jesus here and we've got a woman that is going to grow and she's going to develop into it, you look rather nice there. And if you can grow up into the fullness of the stature of the man Christ Jesus, made up of male and female, and it's this bride... It's going to be a bride here. This is going to be the, it's the ultimate that we are working for is to die to self. We come to perfection. Let us go on unto perfection. Let me draw another one here. And we've got this little one here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, when we start, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The Bible says in Ephesians, in, in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, let us go on unto perfection. Is that what you want? Is this the area that you want to fight in? Do you believe in a perfect church? Not too strongly. Only three over here and none over here. How many believe in a perfect church? See, that's better. You've got to yell a little. Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance of dead works, faith towards God, did you get it? And doctrine of baptisms, water and spirit. So here we are, we are in Passover. There is Passover. In Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, Passover. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit and becomes Pentecost. Now, into the tabernacles areas, the laying on of hands, 1948 revival, 1948, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. These are the areas that we are working through. If you go through the Bible and you start to understand, and in my book, and Kevin said, when you're here, just tell them that I've given you permission to advertise your book. How many have got a book? One of mine. Not enough. I need another hundred. Go quickly. These are the areas, whether you buy it or not, it doesn't matter. You're getting a little bit out of the book tonight. This book is quite a good book because it's just little bits and pieces. There's about 60 different subjects 
and if you paid $20 for it, you're only paying about 30 cents for a study. Just think of that. Just think of how we studied, Fran, way back in the beginning. Nobody gave us notes. And they used to give, deal with everything and they'd work and we'd write like mad. We never ever did anything but write. At the end of year, I had books of it and I can't understand my writing. It was so bad. The charts I can understand. And then I drew some more to fit it in. So this is Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. And you keep that very well in your Bible and in your mind. Because Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 is something that we must understand. Because it ties in with other words. Ties in with the fivefold ministry, which is Ephesians 4, 13 to 18. Now, these are the areas that we've got to do. You've got to remember that this woman, this bride, God is only interested in one people, his church. Had a young man come in to see me today and tonight and he came trying to sell me something and then he told me that he was the uh, youth leader of a church of Christ at Knoxfield. That's nice, isn't it? Isn't it? And he's absolutely enthusiastic. Just came back from America a few months ago. He'd done a four years course and he got a, a bachelor's degree in church authority. So he's a young man with a good ability and all he wants to see, he said, is not to be big in myself. He said, I want to see God manifest in his people. That's pretty nice. So what we want to see is God manifest in his people. How does God become manifest in his people? By a people maturing, by a people going on in Christ. Now, if we're going to stay down here, we can stay at 20, 30, 40 fold and we can stay and we just get around here. We're filled with the Spirit. We've seen the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've had the laying on of hands. So the laying on of hands comes down here and we can have the resurrection of the dead and we can have eternal judgment. But we've got to go through these and manifest a way up here as the church that God is going to have. For his, the bride he's going to have for his son Jesus. Abraham sent Eliezer, his servant, out into the world to find a bride for Abraham's son Isaac. So he went out into the world and he went down and he found a woman. And so he found a bride. So Abraham, a type of God the Father, Isaac, a type of God the Son, and Eliezer, a type of God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit went out into the world in that day, Eliezer, to find a bride for Isaac, the son of Abraham. So we've got the Holy Spirit is being sent out into the world today to choose a bride for Jesus. You want to be a part of that bride? Oh, yes! And that's when you can start getting this emphasis upon everything that we want to do and what we know. We want to be able to express the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit that's within us to declare that what we want is to be like Him. We want to be like Jesus Christ. We want to measure up to His fullness. And everything in these feasts are like this. Now just look at 1 to 10. If you have a copy of this book, it would be very good for you because it would be a lot easier to understand. This, if you got onto page 138, you'd be all right. But you, have you got one? Now we've come into this, this part of the third feast. We're not doing Passover and Pentecost. We are doing it in the seventh month, the Feast of Tabernacles. Just let me use a little few of my notes here. Uh, 
while the feast of Passover and the feast of Pentecost have been fulfilled both in the death of burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and in the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts the feast of tabernacles has not yet been fulfilled and we know that but is actually in the first part of it in the blowing of trumpets now you can see that in the first part with that line going up that is where we are today we haven't reached the perfection of the church we haven't come to the great ingathering yet if I was doing this here, and while we've got one here uh, for the bride, we've also got something that's going to happen here, and this is going to be the great ingathering. And this is where hundreds of millions of people will be drawn into Jesus Christ. But let us get back into the first one. I've got to watch my time so I don't go over. Uh, you're not allowed to on this night, which is good. The feast, this feast, now the, that blowing, the, this tabernacles, covers such a lot of ground, taking us to the coming of the Lord, that much overview of the situation must be made. We cannot go into detail and in all that is involved, but certain highlights will encourage us to know where we are and the urgency of the requirements of God to cause us to die to self and put on Christ. Kevin is such an authority on all these that Kevin writes 140 pages for a book and I write 10 pages. That just about shows you the depth of understanding that he has and the detail that the man goes into. He just last year he wrote another book and that took him about a year. Now he's on, well into another one right now and that'll be out again I suppose by the end of this year and these things are given by thousands of hours of dedicated time of Kevin. He was a peculiar man. Right from the start, Kevin was different. Uh, we had with us at the way back at that time, we had uh, Rob Wheeler, Peter Morrow, Kevin Connor, myself, and quite a few others, but these four that most of us know. But in it, every one of us went different ways. Kevin uh, absolutely majored in teaching and the knowledge of the Word. Rob Wheeler became an evangelist of a great extreme. Uh, Peter Morrow was uh, not pastoral, but he was more prophetic in all his ministry. I was just whatever came, and I thoroughly enjoyed that bit. <laughs> the chart that we've got just up here is the rise of the five ministries, and that's in this first one, the rise of the five ministries. Then the laying on of hands, which I just drew that little block there. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Now, the interesting thing is that if you were going in all this, you would start to think of what else happens. You've heard of the seven seals, haven't you? Yeah. Have you had that yet? Well, there were seven seals, not those things in the water. These are the seven seals. The Bible, this book that was bound with seven seals. I had a picture in my mind the other day, and I was thinking if only I could draw, I'd draw one like this. But I could see a book like this, and it had a seal right around the whole thing. And all it did, when, it, when you, that was broken open, certain pages were free. And then underneath that, there was another, see, another seal. And that only covered a little bit more. And when you start to think of the Word, it was the picture of exactly what the, the Word was doing. He gave him the seal, and the seal was, one seal was broken. And then the first, the second, the third, and the fourth, the four apocalyptic horsemen. And then the fifth seal, the heavenly vision of the souls under the altar, crying, how long, O Lord, how long? And then the sixth seal was the nature change. And the seventh seal was silence in heaven for the space of about half an hour. 
and this was the marriage of Christ to his church. So this is the marriage of Christ to his church at this time. So the tenth day is very, very important and very, very particular to us. It, this is a time element. We don't know when this time is going to be fulfilled, but if you looked at the things that were happening the other night and the last weekend, and you start to look at many of the things that we see in the Word of God. The Word of God is full of ideas and thoughts and instructions and pattern that teach us that the time of the Lord is right at hand. How many feel that He's right at hand? My teaching is that we're in the last 50 years. There's 120 jubilees, and I believe we're in the 120th now. We've had 119, and so there's 50 years uh, should make it to the end. Now, let's look at another time. These, when you start to look at these, we look at time elements, and these are not particularly accurate because we, no man knows the day nor the time, but we know when you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. So when we start to look at these things, we've got to recognize that the time is very, very close at hand. We look at this period of time, we do not know it, this period of time, we do not know it. We anticipate it and guess at it. This period of time, we know what it is because it's three and a half years. So the 15th to the 21st is the tribulation. So what we're coming to now, we've got our first one, is the blowing of trumpets. The blowing of trumpets, the rise of the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and these men, are, these ministries are for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So that means that everyone that is trained must go out and do the job. They cannot sit back and just say, well, I don't need it. Oh, yes, we do. Every one of us have to be one that will go out and draw someone else into the kingdom. We cannot sit back and idly watch while other people die. When people go to hell, we've got to be stirred up that every one of us are absolutely eager to go forth and do something for God because God says that the fivefold ministry is to train you. Every part of ministry in this church is to train men and women that they might go out and make disciples of all men. Every one of you have a responsibility and an authority because you're living in this period of time of dying to self. And self is the thing that comes within us and rises up and prevents us from going out to encourage others to find Jesus Christ. We get too embarrassed, too nervous. We cannot do it. We say it's too hard. I'm not trained that way. But then God says that I've given you apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for perfecting you for the work of the ministry to go out and do the job that God has commanded you to do. And in this day in which we live, we've got to face up to it that we are required. Your job might be music. It might be singing. It might be dancing. It might be teaching. It might be looking after babies. It might be doing anything else. But you can't just sat, sit and gorge yourself and do nothing with it. I'm the napkin drawer. I, everywhere I go, I seem to get caught up with someone in, in drawing on napkins in the restaurants, in cafes, in houses, and even when I went out into the kitchen one time, there was a nice big white table, and I was talking to someone, so I carefully got down and started to draw, and then realized it was one of those cloths, you can't clean it out. I don't think they've forgiven me yet, but they'll have to before they're perfected. All these things. All right, we're coming to this, the ministries and the ministry preparation. 
See, the apostles, if we've got a five-fold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, they're not perfect, you know. You've got to realize that they're not perfect. They're just as imperfect as you. And boy, you are imperfect. <laughs> if you were perfect, you would be gone now. And nobody gets perfect. You can't get in the rapture too early. Even though the man in the front door, Charlie, he wants to be raptured now. Everything now. I'd like to come with him. I'd sit beside him and hold him hand if he could go up that way. But you can't go before the seven years trip, can you? And you can't go halfway through the seven years trip, can you? You're not too sure, are you? See, you want to be careful on this one. You want to get Kevin's book on, the, on Daniel's 70 weeks, and by the time you finish it, I happen to be in a, in a, with a minister of a big organization here in, in Australia, and I was sitting there having a cup of coffee, which I like to do with some of them now and again, and a man came in, another minister I knew very well. He said, I've been studying this matter of Daniel's 70 weeks. I've got every book that's printed on it. I've read them all. I've written all these pages of information. And he said, there's only one book that stands up to the test of time. It's Kevin Connor's book on Daniel's 70 weeks. Now, that was pretty good. And I said, I said to the minister, if you don't listen to him, you're going to have a division in your church because one will believe one thing and one will believe the other. He said, I know it. That's why I'm listening to him. I don't think they changed their mind. They've still got a seven years trip and they're going to be raptured. I like the thought. If I had my rathers, I'd do that. But God doesn't say it like that. He said he's going to have a perfect church and the rapture he's got is away down here. Thessalonians tell you that. He said, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. And he said, the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's why I always tell everybody, I said, you might live to the coming of the Lord, but if I die, which is quite likely, I'll see him before you do. Mm. You, see, you can't do that either. That's not nice. <laughs> but whoever does go first will see him first. And the glory of those that have gone before they're in a place of rejoicing and praise and absolutely adoring the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, recognizing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, recognizing the greats that have gone by, Paul and all the other ones in the times gone by, and everyone will have time because there's no time. Hallelujah. Just think of that. You go up and talk and you stay there and talk until you're fulfilled, and then move on to the next one. You don't say, well time Jesus wants me now at four o'clock. No, there's no four o'clock. Time down here is only that little period that they have. See, time, there's God comes from eternity and he goes to eternity. Time is a little section in there, about 20,000 years, and that's all it is for this whole world. God wanted to have a people that would rule and reign with him throughout eternity. All right, after the 10th day, let's get a little picture here. The Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement. Now, when, this, when we come, they'll say it's us. We measure up to the fullness of the statue of the man Christ Jesus. We then are married. This is the marriage. How that's done, I don't know, so don't ask me. Any difficult question, I say, I'll say, don't ask me. My, my wife and I were in a place once and and at the end of the meeting, a great line, line of people, and they're all rushing up to ask questions. And one woman was standing, she said, I'm not going to get up to him to ask him a question. I could ask you. She said, what do you want to know? And she said, who is the man child? 
She said, well, he hasn't told me yet, so he certainly won't tell you. So <laughs> I don't discuss that. Kevin might, but I don't. I'll only get into trouble. So what we do here with the marriage of Christ to his church. Now, we come, this here, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, their ministry is to the believer. Because the others wouldn't know what they were. So it's to the believer. The five-fold ministry is to the believer. The call that they got, the shout, the voice, the trumpet blowing is to the church to get ready for the great convocation, the marriage of Christ to his church. You've got to measure up and you've got to come up to a hundredfold. You've got to absolutely die to self. You cannot be unclean. Sin, as we get closer and closer to the Lord up here, sin is going to become more abominable to every one of us. We're going to hate sin. How much do we hate sin? I guarantee that in the mind of every one of us something comes every now and again which is not clean, it's not perfect, and we're going to hate that more and more as we get closer and closer to the Lord until we measure up to the fullness of this man Christ Jesus, until this woman is established and she is seen to have died to self and put on Christ to such an extent she's now the equality of Jesus as he was as a man on this earth. Not God, but as the man, Christ Jesus. Now, at the end of this time, we've got here, now we've got a bride's ministry. The bride's ministry. The bride's ministry is to the unbeliever. Now, there's got to be the people in the world, the Indians, the Chinese, the Russians, the Australians, that have never heard the gospel. All over the world. Now, say, for instance, we had three million in the church. I don't know where you'd find them today. I don't know where you'd find three million perfect ones. Where would we find one? We look at the men around about. I've heard men say that they are one of the last day 12 apostles. Another man I know of, he said he's one of the 24 elders that sit around the throne. I think he's got a problem there. I don't think you can say that you are going to be anyone. One man that I heard say that he heard said of him that he was one of the last day 12, well, he died. So he didn't make it. You've got to be alive at this time to find it. And so we've got this. Now the bride's ministry is to the unbeliever. Now there's going to be a great ingathering right throughout the world. There was one woman, she had a vision. She was crying unto God, how can this be? And, and then she saw a vision. She saw, now I'll use it in the vernacular of the Melbourne cricket ground, 150,000 people, and they're all there watching Carlton and St. Gilda fight. Carlton, my team, my wife likes. St. Gilda, I can only go for the saints. I can't go for the demons. I can't go for anything else. I've got to go for the saints. So I don't care if they win or lose. So it doesn't make much difference, except that I'm St. Richard. Just remember that. So we've got this here. Now, when, when this woman saw, she saw this great amphitheater, 150,000 people there, and suddenly in the middle of it, a light shone, a brilliant light, and there was a 17-year-old girl standing, and she started to speak. Jesus is coming soon. Get yourself ready or you'll go to hell. And on the top of one of the stands over here, like they always had some a group of young fellows on the top started to scream epithets at her. She pointed the finger like that and they dropped dead. Now, she finished her conversation to the 150,000 in that hush and suddenly she disappeared and the light went. 
And this woman said that all over the world she saw strange things happening, scores of thousands coming into one place, and then someone ministering to them, telling them all these things. Now in this period of time, we've got to realize that the bride has all authority. Healing, deliverance, ministry, even as Jesus had. He's measured up now to the fullness of the stature of the man Christ Jesus. There's a power of authority over every sickness, over every disease, over every demon of hell. There's nothing can stand before this woman. Now, say for instance, we've got three million. There might not be. Say we've got three million Christs in the earth. One Christ changed the world, didn't he? His, he's gone down for the last 2,000 years after just ministering for three and a half years in, in Jerusalem and around about. So now we've got three million, say, just say, don't say I said three million, but say we had three million in the bride's ministry to the unbeliever. Now we find there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, hundreds of millions find Jesus Christ in this short period of time. Now just remember what's happening. The trumpets blow, seven trumpets. These seven trumpets that are blowing, they bring judgment on a third of the earth, the sea, the sun, and the rivers. One third of everything that in the creation, the judgment falls. We've got the seven trumpets, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The seventh seal embraces the seven trumpets, and over here, the seven vials. The picture that we have is an ongoing power, but an ongoing judgment of God. This seven vials over here is the fierceness of the anger of the Lord. The cup of his anger flows over, and the power of God comes in full judgment against everything that is left. We're not there yet. We're in this period of time, the seven trumpets. In the seven seals, and as we look at these, you'll find that 1,500 million people are destroyed. We've got 6,000 million. One and a half thousand million will be destroyed in this period of time. The four apocalyptic horsemen, there's war and famine and pestilence and, and earthquakes, we think that's absolutely horrible. It's a quarter of the world's population is to die before the perfection of the church. When we come down to the seven trumpets, and when you go through the seven trumpets, if you get this book and shows them, the seven trumpets reveal that one-third of the earth, the sea, the sun, and the rivers but one-third of the population, which is 1,500 million, will be destroyed. So now before the tribulation, 3,000 million of people living on the earth today will be destroyed. You've got to start to realize that this is not fun and games anymore. The matter of becoming perfect, the matter of dying to self, is absolutely paramount to every believer. We've come through Passover 
and we think because we believe on Jesus Christ, we can stand and we can come to this part of the tribulation and we can come into a time and we can stand without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, without the authority of the Word. We come to this, we will not, we will fail. Walking through this period of time, if you do not make the bride, you're going to live in this time and you're going to die at the beginning of the tribulation. Perfection is the only way we can escape. And end time teaching should be emphasizing the point that if we do not make this, we're going to die. We're going to die one way or another. I'll die from old age. Someone might die at here of anything, they will, but others, they, they're going to die na first naturally, secondly, they're going to die here. I've got it wrong. We're going to die to self, number one. Number two, we'll die of old age or some other way in this area or we'll come to this part. Now, as Christians, we'll find that these are the martyrs. They've got to be believers that do not make it into the bride. There's going to be no Christian left on the earth during the tribulation. Not one. Every Christian will be destroyed when we come into this period of time. All right, what we're doing in here in the Day of Atonement, now the bride has got the Melchizedek priesthood. You've heard of Melchizedek? Who is Melchizedek? Christ. Who? Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. A wonderful thought. The Lord Jesus Christ is Melchizedek. The ministry here then is the Melchizedek order. The bride's ministry has same ministry as Christ. The seven trumpets, the unbelievers given the chance to attain to his fullness and the perfection, the wedding day here. Now, because it's 20 past, what time do we finish? Nine. We can go right to there, can we? That's good. Now we come to this period of time over here. On the third one, overview. In this period of time, we've got 15 to 21. Now, we call it the tribulation, the great tribulation. Not too much adulation, but tribulation. We've got this here. We've got all sorts of things that are about to happen in this period of time. Now, if we look at it in a sensible manner, I sat in a, in a church, a uh, 2,600-seater in, uh, no, it wasn't then, it was a 1,000-seater, in, in a Bible study of 650, man said, it cost you 30 shillings. And the man said, I'm not going to pay it. And as he was riding away, this very rich man got on his horse and rode away. And the man shouted, he said, I'll charge you a penny for the first nail, and I'll double it for everyone after. And he said, okay. Well, the next day he got a bill for, I think, six million pounds. Now, you see, that was only just 32. Now, if you, they counted a child every 25 years, I forget how it does, but say there were 20 million people from two. Now, just imagine if we've got millions of unbelievers with 666 having children right throughout a thousand years millennium, you'd all be standing like this, wouldn't you? There'd be nothing left. But God doesn't allow it. There's no sun or moon. There's no need of the sun nor the moon. You had this in your, I'm quite sure, 
in your uh, millennium teaching. And so when we come to this, there's nothing that there's worthwhile standing. There's no believer, no unbeliever can come. Over here, the unbelievers found God. Now we come to the tribulation. This is this period of the, the, just the tabernacle's proper. It's called tab proper. It do, doesn't say that. That's what we call it. The tabernacle's proper. Now we've got the believers that didn't make it came over to here. Now, over here we had a fifth seal. The souls under the altar cried unto the Lord. How long, O Lord? How long? He said, until your brethren be martyred for my name's sake. When were they going to be martyred? They only got a little period of time. These are the ones that did not make the bride, and they came to this point. I can't see how it could otherwise work. And we've got all these Christians here, and then they'll be asked the question. You take the number or you cannot buy or sell. And if you don't take the, if you don't take the mark, we'll kill you. So they say, I believe in the Lord. Deny him. Now, if they don't deny him, they will take a mark, and then they, 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 if they do deny him, they'll take a mark. If they don't deny him, they will be put to death. Madame Guillotine will have a very busy time cutting heads off. Don't think they'll catch them in baskets and store them. They'll just bury them in mass. So we've got this here. I've got this period of time when every believer then is going to die. Over here we have in the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation, you've got it, 12th of Revelation, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, a diadem of 12 stars ran about her head. She being great with child, traveled to bring, in birth to bring forth a man-child. That man-child, when it was born, a great red dragon gathered before her. The man-child was snatched up to heaven, whatever that man-child was. And when he was snatched up into heaven, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against Satan and his angels. So it couldn't be in the third heaven, because third heaven is paradise. So we've got the first heaven that we see, second heaven, and then the third heaven is paradise. So we've got this period of air down here. So here we've got him up here, and there's war. Michael and his angels fight against Satan and his angels. There's no room found for them, and they were cast down to earth. Now, the interesting thing is that when you see what is going to happen, we've got the devil cast out of heaven, and then we find on the bottom here we've got an unholy try. the beast, the false prophet, and the antichrist. This is an unholy try. The devil always tries to copy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here we've got a beast, the false prophet, and the antichrist, and here they're going to rule over everything on the earth for three and a half years. Now, you can't imagine that they're going to let any Christian be on the earth. So they go and make everybody take a mark. 666, whether it's going to be like we heard the other night, a little like that, and you get a little thing into your neck, or your bloodstream, or your forehead, or your hand, <clears throat> and then all they've got to do is put a thing over you, and they've got it all in front of you. 100 pages, or was it 20? 20 pages of information on you, all the data fulfilled, 10 good photographs, 
all done up in three-color process, everything, so you look nice. But over here, what the, those that do not take this will be put to death. So everybody living on the earth in this period of time now has 666. 666 is devil possession in spirit, soul, and body. Every part of the person that takes it, they are eternally damned the moment they take that mark. No man can ever have eternal life if he takes the mark. The angels, when they sinned against God, were cast out. Never could they be redeemed. I don't know if you ever heard that, that tape uh, that was played. They were playing a tape with about 400 people. They were singing and worshipping God. And when they got the tape recording of it, they found that the angelic voices came above it and they sang way up and above and they never breathed or showed any emotion that way but the gloriousness of the voices. Now there they were, they were in a place of, of glory. What was I talking about? Changed my subject and I forget where I was. This here is the 666 and everyone here now, the angelic hosts are going to be with us. The angel angels, when they sinned, were cast out, never to be redeemed. When they take the 666, they are cast out from God's presence, never to come into his presence again. And they will be absolutely destroyed. So what we've got on the earth now is a whole population of 3,000 million, every one of them with 666, every one of them hating everything that is good, whether this, this, uh, the bride is taken out into the wilderness, now whether it's a state or a place doesn't matter. I like the place. I think it's more comfortable. Just think if you're living next door and someone had 666, they come out and shoot arrows into you. And they get all these nasty automatic revivals, rifles again with 12 shots and that bang, 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 bang till 12 got through and then they'd shoot you and then you'd, as soon as they got up, you'd get up again. I think that'd be very tiring. I'd sooner go into a place in the wilderness. So a state or a place, don't argue about it. You can have it either way. But I, I'd rather, my rathers are, I want a place. Lord, can I have a place if I'm here? If you're here, that's what Jesus would say because I might not be here. And then you would have to face up to that. So we've got this here, the bride is taken into the wilderness, and then the devil makes war against everything. It said she goes away, he makes war against the remnant of a seed, that is these, destroys them. But the bride is protected. And the word of God says that he said they, she went into the wilderness and they fed her there. So we've got the tribulation is three and a half years. We know that. The bride to the wilderness, the two witnesses are there. Can you imagine in that beginning of that tribulation period, two witnesses standing, Moses and Elijah. Moses with all his plagues, he could bring them at will upon all the earth. And then Elijah standing there, oh God, no rain. No rain. Just burning sun, no clouds, no rain. Then the plagues of locusts, and, they, and you've got everything against you. Sores, evil, feelings, horror. The unholy tri, 
with all authority, living in, where would they live? But Jerusalem, called Sodom and Egypt. So just watch it when you get all that tucked into place. The bride is protected of God, either in a place or a state. The wilderness is the marriage supper of the Lamb, and the fullness of divine blessing is upon the church. So if I could get a bit over here, I'd just like to pass this in as well. The thing that I would like to emphasize here, uh, the scripture in Isaiah 59, 19, it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise a standard against him. Now God has got to get hold of his people because as he measures them up unto a bridal status, it says, the enemy will come in like a flood. Now the enemy is endeavoring to come in like a flood today. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord, now without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't know how you're going to make it. The Spirit of the Lord shall raise a standard against the enemy. God is after people like you and me to take hold of the Word of God, to have a vision of what God is going to do, and face up to this requirement that God wants us to die to everything of self, and we want the authority of the Word of God to come within us that we are able to speak a word against every sickness and disease, every power of the evil one, everything that the devil can bring in demonic power that we have an authority over him. There are so many things in the lives of people around us and in our lives that God wants to get hold of and take, a, take these things from us. I'll just run through on these here again. Another little touch. Israel came before the Lord on the first and the third month, we remember that. But it was in the seventh month that they received the fullness of joy and fulfillment of all the year's blessing. That was Old Testament teaching. They was in the seventh month they received all the fullness of joy and the fulfillment of all the year's blessing. Now that was in the Old Testament teaching of the, of the tabernacles. Now, the blowing of trumpets the first day, the trumpet call is to all of Israel to prepare for the great day of atonement. You understand this? That's where we've got to be now. Various trumpets were used for special calls to the people of Israel. Now, on the tenth day, this was the day of complete cleansing of, for Israel. We've got to yet come to the place of fullness and complete cleansing. It was declared to be the most solemn of all feasts. The year of Jubilee was declared on this day every 50 years also. Now, every 50 years, the feast, the, the uh, Jubilee, year of Jubilee, the 50th year, this happened on the Day of Atonement, the beginning of it and the end of it. And so in that day, there was a great uh, Jubilee, joy. Every uh, prisoner was set free. Every debtor was freed from his debt. There was no one to owe money. There was nobody who was in bondage. Every slave was set free on that day. And the 15th to the 21st, this was to be seven days of rejoicing before the Lord while all Israel lived in booths. This part of the feast declared the consummation of the year in all of Israel's worship following the ingathering of the final harvest. Old Testament teaching. But we are following again exactly the same pattern. And when we are following the ingathering of the final harvest, it's the ingathering of the church, the bride firstly, and then the friends of the bride, and all that is happening in that period of time.
As we are going through this third feast, we are entering into a subject that brings with it a complexity of ideas from all points of the compass. Everybody argues about this. I don't argue because I know I'm right. And you don't argue about it because you're right. We might have different opinions, but remember this, it's not going to affect our salvation. We need to get our eschatology in right relationship unto our final approach and appreciation of Jesus Christ. Because when we stand before him, it's going to be, do you believe on Jesus Christ? Did you bury the old nature? Were you filled with the Holy Ghost? Did you walk before him in the fullness of his revelation? Do you believe he was raised from the dead? Yes. Do you believe that he is the only one that can save you for eternity? Yes. Now, because I believe in a seven years trib, it doesn't really matter, except that you muck up all your system. If you have three and a half years, you can follow the scriptures through. Take seven years, it's not going to cause you to go to hell. None of this teaching will cause you to go to hell if you have a slightly different idea. I don't think that uh, Barry Smith had the same ideas as we did. I saw some of the strange things on the chart, but that doesn't really make any difference. Look at the way he was able to minister to us and feed us with, at having a different idea. Do you understand that? Eschatology is a great revelation of God, and I believe it's a picture of what he wants us to have and to know and to understand. We need to have an idea of what is coming to pass. And I believe that this story and what we have does give us a, a balanced pattern of what God wants to do. Hallelujah. It's 20 to 8, 20 to 9. Do you want to ask any questions on this? If it's a hard question, don't ask it. Yes. Don't ask you, Charlie. You've been in Bible school too long. The bride will be perfected and never die. Who's the bride? The bride are the perfect ones. The bride is this people who die to self and put on Christ. You are dying to self, aren't you? You're putting on Christ. You hunger and thirst after him. You want to be with him all the time. You're going on unto perfection. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. Speak in tongues. Good stuff. Now, you've got all these things. Now, it's not hard. I'd like to tell you it's not hard to be a part of the bride. All you've got to do is a walk in the light, as he is in the light, have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ will continually keep you cleansed from all sin. You will die to self and put on Christ. You'll love him. You'll study his word. You'll pray. You'll fast. You'll look after him that you might measure up to his fullness. You'll automatically get on this line and you'll steadfastly approach and appropriate. Is that all right? Yeah, I'm clever, aren't I? Charlie, what was it, if it's an easy one? I thought it was on the same line as that, because <coughs> I think uh, it, the word was just uh, not the right one you wanted to say on uh, 15, when we come to the, the in-gathering, yeah. uh, then he said the city will be destroyed. But After that. The, the non-perfect people will be destroyed, not the bride, okay. nor the friends of the bride. But the ones over here, we today have an opportunity of appropriating 
perfection. But if we stop here, and many spirit-filled people don't want to walk all the way with God, we've got enough. They don't appropriate the third feast. And the third feast is this, going on unto perfection, the blowing of trumpets of perfection, the great ingathering to the unbeliever, not to the believer. I believe that the believer has his opportunity as we're going on to here. If the believer knocks off down here, then he'll die over here. It's the imperfect Christians that will die. Not the perfect ones. This one will always be. Yes. Say loudly, I don't hear too well. I'm not perfect. Rapture. You want it to be the rapture? Well, there's a number of raptures. The bride is the one that gets caught up in the rapture. There's nobody else left. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Let me draw it here. This is quite a, a good one. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a, with a shout. That shout will reverberate right throughout space and time. Saying that the Lord is coming out of heaven with the voice of the archangel. That voice is declaring where Jesus is going. And they're telling the universe throughout space and time that Jesus is coming to the earth to pick up a bride that will rule and reign with him forever. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. This is the fullness of the seventh trumpet which we haven't gone into. The fullness of the seventh trumpet. And then he said, the dead, the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ. No, only the living ones. The living ones are part of the bride. The bride that goes alive into the presence. There's only Enoch and Elijah gone directly alive into the heavenlies but Elijah went so he could come back and die again but the dead in Christ dead in Christ shall rise first then he said this is where the bride is in the wilderness the dead in Christ shall be caught up and so forever be with the Lord so the bride never dies the bride is the one that attains unto this place in God where they're perfect. They don't have to battle anymore. They've attained unto this and this bride will be caught up from the wilderness into, into heaven and so forever be with the Lord. So the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's me. If I die first, I'll see him before you do. You're only a young man. They can't take the position of the bride, no. Why worry? We've died. We didn't reach perfection. If I reached perfection, I'd still be alive. Why worry about it? It doesn't really matter. Whoever the bride is, the perfect ones that, that reach up and touch God. See, Enoch 
had this knowledge, that he had pleased God. Enoch was a type. You have to have in the Old Testament a type of the bride. These are the little Enochs. Enoch was translated that he might not see death. The bride is, comes to perfection that she might not see death. Enoch was the type. This is the antitype. The same as, as uh, Isaac was a type. And Christ, he was the only begotten son of Abraham. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. And he was the type and Christ was the antitype. We've got a type and a shadow. That's how we work. Yes. This, this is the bride here. From there, you are. You, then you have a bride's ministry. That is the ministry in the world, while the trumpets are blowing. While the judgment of God is on a third of the earth, the sea, the sun, and the rivers, this bride is ministering individually right throughout the world to the unbelievers, and there's a great ingathering. Isn't that nice? No more questions. I was told to stop about this time. Who was the Antichrist? There's no problem about that. He's Antichrist. <laughs> now, Antichrist, if we believe that we're in the last 50 years and a good hunk of it is probably gone. See, here's another little type, another little position that when you start to talk about the coming of the Lord, if you, if you look at it, we've got Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years. That was a father dispensation, father Adam to father Abraham. Then we've got from Isaac to Christ, it was 2,000 years. From the, then we've got another, two, we presume then, 2,000 years for the Holy Spirit. This is the Son, this is the Holy Spirit. So we presume 2,000 from A.D. 30. That'll make 2,030. Now, if that's, that's only 35 years, 34 years. So if, say for instance, we're in the last 50 years, and only 34 years to go, someone is on the earth now that's born that will turn against God even though he has great power and authority. Don't look at the present Pope. He's too old. Don't, I, I don't know, it's Kis, uh, Kissinger, they're talking about him all the time now, and they reckon he's, his number adds up to 666, so you're looking at him. So I'm not going to look at anybody. I'm just going to look at Jesus Christ. All we've got to not worry about the Antichrist, worry about where we are with him. Just imagine if all of us get our eyes fully on Christ, we're going to be a people of power. Remember the song, We Are a People of Power? You can sing it with authority and power, and we can start to minister the life of Jesus Christ under the people we touch. And every one of us touch a hundred people a year, and if we saw a hundred of those people joining with Christ, what sort of people would we be? We've got a lady over here that loves blood, and she touches everybody. Give your blood. Everybody giving your blood? You're pretty good. 
I like it. Did you have a good lot last time? If you haven't given blood, just see Mary. So, we're in this situation. The Lord is coming soon. Yes. The holy place. Well, the only place that you can find in the Word, as far as I can see, I might be wrong, but Jerusalem is the one that is geared right at the center of everything. And Jerusalem in the book of Revelation is called Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord was crucified. Isn't that interesting? And that's where he'll have his seat, Antichrist. Don't worry about Jerusalem or any other country. Don't worry about anything of man or any other place, because we're going to have one thing we can look at, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he is our Lord, our Savior, our King, our Master, the lover of our soul. He is the one that we enjoy. The presence of God is what we're after. And we can get into his presence in the bedroom. We can get on our knees. We can get him anywhere. We can come to church and worship. And we can get him. You can even worship him when you're giving blood. <laughs> How's my plug? <laughs> the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and keep you in perfect peace and don't get too upset. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Again, please be sure to visit kevinconnor.org forward slash shop where you can now purchase PDF files of many of Kevin's best-selling books, including his verse-by-verse commentary on the book of Revelation and his book on the Christian millennium. Thank you.